HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. We are coming to you live from Heritage Radio Network in Brooklyn, New York. We're actually in the studio wow. for the first time in years. We've been doing the show remotely. Uh, I moved out to California, but also, you know, the thing is, it's you know, COVID really shut us down, and this is really cool. It's it's crazy being back in the studio. I can't believe all this alcohol is still here. <laughs> right, like a like, like sort of a ghost ship. I came in, and the you know the the table is still here with the mics all rigged up, and the headphones, and the liquor cabinet still chock a block. I'm pretty sure there's some bottles on top that I placed up there that haven't moved an inch, uh, and it's like, I don't know, it just. It feels it feels good to be home, but it also feels a little strange, like untouched, like haunted. I mean, <laughs> I I agree I agree with the ghost ship thing because I was definitely getting kind of like a Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe coming in here, and it's and and I realized that I would be terrible at like excavating ancient tombs because like immediately I came in and I was like, ooh, this all looks old and cool and like no one's guarding it like <laughs> no one's gonna notice if i just slip this into my pocket on the way out no one cares yeah. so yeah don't ever send me on an indiana jones expedition guys <laughs> i'd be the guy that took the idol and then got scared i'd be the <laughs> alfred molina of that expedition well the last time you and i were in the studio together greg was march of 2020 the last march show, 11th 2020 the last show we did wow. was with haim dowerman and the team from up and up mm -hmm. haim has now left the field and is working on becoming, he's soon to be a rabbi. So that tells you how like long it's been since you and I have been here. It's been a while. Damon hasn't been here since 2019. Late 2019, yeah. I would have um, been here in like December of 2019, mm -hmm. I think it was. And we've been doing the show remotely, and it's, it works out great. I think we're all going to continue. We are going to continue to do Absolutely. the show remotely. Yeah. Damon's only in town for the weekend. But um, uh, but I'm super glad you're back. Why are you back in town? What have you been doing? Um, well, you know, I'm still working in the booze biz. I wanted to come back. Uh, my wife had some work stuff to do here, and I, you know, met up with my team at Grand Army, and 
one of my business partners and, you know, just a lot of catch up, a lot of catching up and kind of refreshing. Uh, it, but, you know, the thing about New York City is like, you know, while I, I was telling my wife about this and it, probably uh, a really terrible analogy, I was like, it's kind of like going back and visiting and seeing an old girlfriend that uh, <laughs> has moved on without you and uh, and you're kind of jealous but you're all you gotta you gotta be like excited for her, you know. Like yeah. so, like at what point in this did Jamie walk away? From yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, so, but what I mean by that is like you know, like there's been a lot of changes. What sucks about it is a lot of our friends, bars and restaurants and businesses have have gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also some some refreshing, you know, new stuff that's around. And you you know, New York it'll move on without you, you know, oh, sure. it, it doesn't need you but it's it's great and like there's some really magical things that have happened you know it was great to uh to see a lot of the old places that are still around one of them one of my favorites keen's uh steakhouse keen steakhouse on 36 and 6 i mean been there forever uh 1884 i believe or 87 yeah uh, unique and interesting place they have the world's largest collection of clay pipes um, and you get to learn this when you go there. And they're all they, they they cover the ceiling of the of the place, which is humongous. Given where it's at, you'd think, why is this place so There's big? There's like four bars in the place. It's too. because when it was built, there was nothing there. You know, it's a block away from Macy's, the world's largest uh, department store, and Dude. they have uh, all yeah. these clay pipes up there, and they they have labels on them to who owns them. Because back in the day, the clay pipes you didn't travel with one; you literally just had one everywhere you went. They were too fragile. Right. That's that's the whole point of that. Right. Anyway, I'm getting off on that. And but, they, no, they, but, that's, but I love that place, too. And I know that you used to have sort of a, a regimented, you know, like I do Gibbs Sunday over at, at Bargoto. Mm-hmm. You used to have your thing every Monday off every Monday. Every Monday I'd go there for lunch around, you know, one o'clock uh, or so, like before I got too busy um, and, uh, you know, get a spot at the the main bar, uh, which is downstairs. It's on the, the right side of the building. And um, yeah, I'd have a Gibson and with Boodle's gin. That was always my still is my call um and then you know have a surf and turf and some wine and then go guitar shopping uh <laughs> or right. shopping at jj hat center uh just a few blocks away um but the thing is so i, I went there with my wife and we we had a, a reservation uh and we got into the bar and you know there's only a few people sitting at the bar at this point and i see this guy kind of lean out from his bar stool. He's at the very first bar stool on the, the far end of the bar. And he kind of just looks at me like, what the hell? It's Del DeGroff. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I go. Who also I, doesn't currently live in New York City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but it's Manhattan week. Uh, right. And, and, you know, here. So he's sitting there with uh, another author, Philip Green, uh, who wrote the Manhattan book uh, about mm-hmm. 10 years ago or so. Um and yeah, they were just like, they're like, Damon, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm like, what are you doing here, man? I'm like, right. and so we, we, uh, he, he bought us a couple of Negronis with his, um, the DeGroff Aperitivo. Um, and then we, we had a Manhattan and they invited me to their event on Monday night. And, you know, it was just so great seeing uh, so many friends and, you know, there was Dell and Philip Green and, uh, Amanda Schuster, you know, we, we love all of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was, it was so much fun. We got to hang out at this Manhattan event and, uh, and, and then Amanda and I went and closed down, uh, the ear in, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, I think it's like the second oldest bar. In yeah. Another City. legendary spot. So yeah, it's just, you know, that's, and that's the magic of New York city. I, I was about to say before we got on, uh, on air, 
uh, but Greg rudely interrupted me and told me to save it for the air. There was something smart that was about to come out of your mouth. I didn't want it to disappear into the ether. I don't know if it's smart necessarily. It's an observation. I think New York City is one of the few cities in the world that you can go to um, with a definite plan in mind and you can knock out a bunch of great stuff or you can come here with no plan and knock out a bunch of great stuff. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think there are other cities where you, it's not necessarily that easy. You're going to have to make a plan. Uh, and I think that you, you, you went to Keens to show your, right. to show Jamie your, your old tradition there. And then that led to meeting up with, with Dale and Philip. And then that led to going to this event and hanging out with Amanda. And you can just ride the wave. Your, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you know? catch the wave, you yeah. ride the wave. And that's, in, you know, you know, BQ, um, who, who, you know, going up and, and many other uh, cocktail forward things that, you know, he posted something today on, on the Instagrams. Uh, yeah. He was like, he was like, I ran into this guy three times over three days and we had no plan for that. Yeah. And it was just, it was awesome. You know, like it's, it's a small town, man. It really it, is. It really is at the end of the day. It's like the biggest little town. It's a tiny town full of friendly people. Yeah. And like you said before, you mentioned just like being able to, to go on that ride, you know, like ride that wave. It's, it's kind of like, if you, if you let it take you away, it, it will definitely show you around, you know. What is is this giving you all the feels? Are you going to move back to New York City? Man, I would. <laughs> so I gave up my apartment here. It's, and, a, it's a gotcha moment on speakeasy. Yeah, <laughs> hard hitting journalism you've come to expect from this show. Jack Inslee used to have a tiger sound. It was the gotcha tiger. Yeah, yeah. So whenever we do a gotcha, I'm like, um, I, I would love to have a place here uh, again. But like, you know, I'm just I'm trying to. New York, New York is always going to be, you know, I still pay rent here. Yeah. But it's for a bar. Right. You know, <laughs> instead of an apartment, which, you know, like I, I'm never not going to have uh, a toe in the, the, the pond, if you will, uh, in New York city. It's always going to be part of me and, and hopefully I'm part of it, you know, too, but you know, it's, always. it's also just, you know, California is kind of a thing right now. And uh, who knows? I might not live. I, like, for me, California might not be the the end. It might be like New Mexico or something. But um, but New York was, you know, it's always going to be a part. Uh, so, yeah, but it was really great seeing uh, all those people. Um, and then, you know, yesterday I got to go to Nacho's new place, uh, Super Bueno. Uh, it, which it is, Super Bueno. So awesome. Really big that spot. Really, really wonderful people working there. And Did you try the Sopa del Dia? Which yeah. means soup of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, news you can use here on this show yeah but it's not it's not soup it's a drink it's on the drink menu did yeah you, did you try it yeah i it blew me away the first time I, I mean i've only had it two times but the first time i had it i was so blown away for the listener it is it's a beer set so it's a monopolio beer dressed with their house-made hot sauce right. it comes on a little wooden tray sort of thing with uh, a copita of um tricia right yeah. Or is it Sotol? I think it's Sotol. Sotol. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Monopolio, house dress, hot sauce, Sotol, and then a little, what what you would expect to be your, um, you know, uh, sangrita is in a little shot glass, and it's the the liquid from their birria tacos, and it's hot. Oh, I think yeah. that's the key. Yeah. That it's hot. So you've got this little set that's that's familiar but unfamiliar and savory and hot and it, it fucking blew me. And especially, my mouth is watering right now. I know. I, and looking at all the pizza at Roberta's. But yeah. Well, it was like it was great. It was perfect timing too for yeah. I, my my wife was telling me she was like, why do we always go to New York like in the dead of winter? Um, so it was actually really perfect yesterday when I was there. 
Yeah. yeah. Just the, the warmth of that and just everything. Was Nacho there? Yeah, I got to see Nacho. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I was lucky that I caught him because he was like kind of in and out. And uh, I'm really happy that we got to do that. And, you know, my plan for today is uh, later on, I want to go to Katana Kitten, see Masa, another one of the greatest hospitality people, you know. And, yeah, and, a militant hospitalitarian. This man will force you to have fun. Yeah, I wonder, wonder how many different kind of hats he's going to wear. <laughs> how many costume changes? Yes, are it's like going to a Beyonce show. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese... The tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. I'm Lou Bank. And I'm Greg Benson. And this is an ad for Ancestral Agave Syrup, the critically acclaimed award-winning syrup that helps gringo bartenders better make margaritas, wait, wait, negronis, Lou, hold and up, hold up, wait. old Are you just, fashions. This is how you start your podcast. What? It's not an ad for Ancestral Agave Syrup. Well, of course it is. I'm just cutting costs by not paying writers to make something new. I'm just using an old script. You pay writers? That's some kind of jab? No, I'm just saying what, that... What What are you saying? Well, look, we've got this amazing syrup that's made in an ancestral manner, cooked down from the sap of the agave, harvested the way these families would to make pulque. It's a quality product. It deserves yeah, a yeah. quality presentation. Yeah, okay, okay, hang on. <clears throat> Ancestral agave syrup is made by real families following traditional methods. Unlike the industrial Blue Weber syrup you get everywhere else, Ancestral is cooked down from aguamiel, harvested from Salmiana in Hidalgo, Mexico. It is the grade A Vermont maple to the sticky diner syrup you've been using for your cocktails. Ingredients matter both in how your cocktail tastes and how you treat the earth. Ancestral is better for both. Is that good? Uh, sure, or maybe confusing instead of cheesy. Uh, look, just visit ancestralagave.com to learn more and to order your world-class agave syrup today. And we'll call that a wrap. Catch you next ad, Greg. Uh, hasta pronto? Ancestral Agave Syrup. Available online at ancestralagave.org and wherever Greg and Lou are able to coerce store owners into carrying it. Well, I guess we should address the the, the small uh, elephant in the room. It's uh, just the three of us in the studio. We, we, we're live for the first time since March 2020. We did have a guest scheduled, um, and uh, we're hopeful that they show up before the show is over. 
Um, but we had to get started without. Um, there were train delays, et cetera. It's New York City. Who knows what's going on? Um, but I just wanted to throw that out there so that the listener can can stop anticipating our terrible Again, segue. the magic. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's bring in our guest today, Mr. Damon Bolte. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> in town from Perfect. California. Love it. Well, it's it's a real pleasure being here at Roberta's because, you know, I've been doing this show now for almost, geez, it's going to be like 14 years. We're, we've just crossed the 13 mark. So, yeah, we're we're headed towards yeah. 14. But it's just, it, you know, again, it's 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 one of the coolest spaces uh you know if for any of the listeners out there that haven't been to roberta's you really got to come in here um it's a little bit of a track if you're staying in the city but it's not it's worth really it. that far it's worth it some the best pizza and the best caesar salad uh i i, I want to say probably the best caesar salad in in new york city and yeah. that means a lot for the rest of the world too um but you know we've been doing this radio show for a long time and as we mentioned before you know with our guests and the 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 idea of this show was to essentially bottle the 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 conversation, uh, the kind of shop talk, right? Uh, and and but you know have it live on air with people in the industry. So you know, just looking around the studio and looking at our our bar in here, I, I kind of wanted to call some of some of these guests and products out that have been on the show for, sure. you know, in, in the past, because it, it really is kind of like, it, like we, you know, we archive all the shows, uh, obviously, uh, on heritage radio network.org. And you can go to Spotify and, and Stitcher and many other, uh, well, we're platforms. on all platforms, we're all, all, all platforms, terrestrial mm-hmm. and satellite, but yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's, when we started asking guests to, come on from you know it, it, it ranges from like authors and bartenders and bar owners and managers and when i but uh, doorman cocktail servers yeah. like we've had them all Everybody. and i love that we it's exactly what you just said it's the i think the listener gets a fly on the wall opportunity to listen in on a after hours conversation um since it's not after hours it's noon a conversation you know among people in the industry which is us yeah. which is us and our guests well so in one of those guests uh and actually it was our last trip Mm-hmm. Right before COVID shut us down, uh, we got to go down to Oaxaca with Bonas Mezcal. Mm-hmm. And you were just talking about the Sotadilla, uh, you know, in like having like a copita, although it's a toll. Um, this, this trip for me has been, and, and you know, there's a lot of agave, in, you know, in, obviously in California, uh, where, where I live now. But there's something about drinking Mezcal in New York City. That just feels like in like invigorating in a different way. Sure, and, it, and maybe some of that is like sense memory for me and us going on that. It, sorry, Greg wasn't on that trip. It was just me and right. uh, Southern. Um, but it was it was one of those things that like drinking mezcal typically is it's associated with like warm weather, right? And right. like you're in, you're in Mexico, you're in Oaxaca, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something really pleasing to me about drinking mezcal in the wintertime sure. in New York city sunshine it's, in a glass. It's kind of like escapism, right? Yeah, of course. And you know, we definitely need, <laughs> sometimes we definitely need some escapism, especially in winter. I mean, they made a New movie York. about escaping New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Worked out pretty well for that guy. Didn't yeah, it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, so what are Greg? I mean, like you, so we just, uh, just to let the listeners know, we did find, uh, serendipitously, 
we had three mini bottles of Fernet uh, in the cabinet here, yep. which we took before the show. Had, um, yes, had is the key word. Yes. We had them. <laughs> but, we still uh, have the mini bottles. Yes. Yeah, with the bottles are still here. <laughs> um, and they'll probably be here for another four years uh, until the next I'll put them back as a relic. <laughs> But Greg, what's your what's your go to these days? What do you, what do you? Yeah, what occupies the heaviest rotation on your home bar shelf? Oh Jesus! I mean, I, I do I do a lot of mezcal. I've been definitely moving the direction of just kind of drinking shit and eat. Like that's kind of my whole thing. Is like <laughs> I um, I found out that my local uh, local liquor store stocks uh, Schlatterer's Kirschwasser, so like oh, that's yeah. been a real big hit <laughs> recently. Yeah, man. Yeah, I love schnapps. Like like it's it's. It's it's a very specific type of drinking experience, right? Grappa and schnapps, and I, and it's very very good in, in the wintertime for sure. Exactly, and it's just and it's wildly underrated. It's one of those things where it's like this has you know it's 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 just weird the things that like we historically have selected to be like this is important, and then there's all this other stuff that's over here, yeah. and a lot of the stuff that usually gets lumped into like the other stuff category is stuff that is not made in Europe, that is not historically made by white people, that is kind of like you know oh yeah, and then there's this thing over here. I mean that's shit. That's what happened with vodka up until honestly about sixty years ago. Mm -hmm. Like people looked at vodka as this thing, and it's like oh yeah, they do those weirdos over in Eastern Europe do that, but like we don't drink that here, which is wild to think about now that it's completely eaten the world of spirits. But here we are. Um, but it is kind of bonkers to me that like Kirschwasser, which is delightful and wonderful. And, and I wonder if maybe it doesn't um, occupy the same spot in our sort of consciousness because it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same like mixing capability as some other spirits perhaps, but mm. cause it is very, you know, you can, you can taste the cherry and I feel like the cherry would come through, but also like with the gin, you can taste the botanical, like you can taste the juniper when that comes through. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I will say I actually have been on a bit of a, a cocktail making binge which is which is weird for me because i stumbled across the list of uh that punch published recently of like forgotten classics that you should definitely know so like the moon rakers on there from shannon Tabay, who's a friend of the show mm -hmm. uh i've been vibing on this one called the cloister oh, uh, yeah. which is yeah uh gin yellow chartreuse grapefruit juice and lemon juice and it feels like it should be from the Gilded Age. It's actually from the 1970 Playboy host and bar book. So it is a it's a wonderful <laughs> little drink the and just such a, yeah, just such a weird, fun little thing to play around with. I took a flask Sounds like of a wacky Hemingway. Yeah, <laughs> I took a flask of chartreuse up to the cloister. I, I went there once, um, it, you know, like further up in Manhattan. Oh, the Met Cloisters, yeah. Yeah, so I, I went there and I beautiful. I snuck in a bottle of chartreuse just because I I was like I, I have to kind of have a cloister at the cloisters. You it's, you, you're you're <laughs> out of you're you feel like you're out of New York City when you're at the cloister, and you're yeah. definitely still in New York City. Like totally. you, you, the views up there, the vistas, the cloisters itself. The I don't know, it's really gorgeous. So what about another like okay, so, like so some some old cocktails that come to mind with uh, when it comes to Kirsch Foster. Um, well, I, there's kind of a. There's one that t comes to mind right now for me that uh, could go either way, and it's kind of debatable, but, like, remember the main, right? So mm -hmm. some people will make it with Cherry Hearing, and other people have made it with, like, Kirschwasser. I personally like it more with Kirschwasser. It's drier. Yeah. And, but, like, you know, if, you, if you're talking to, like, Greg Baum from Cocktail Kingdom, you know, he's a huge collector of, like, vintage uh, cherry hearing, so he might, you know, go the other direction. Have you messed around with uh, Kirsch and that? 
no, I have not. But now, so now I'm curious because I teach a, uh, this is one other thing I've been doing since the last time we're in here is I've been teaching a lot of Zoom classes. And one of them I do is kind of, uh, you know, whiskey through the ages. So I wanted to start with, it's a cocktail class. So I wanted to start with a scotch cocktail, but there really aren't any. And I, I didn't want to start with the penicillin because, you know, it wouldn't have made sense with the chronology because I'm kind of talking about like whiskey's origins. And here's a drink that was invented less than 20 years ago. Right, um, right. So I kind of wound up on the blood and sand just by default, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I've been, it's, it's, it travels a different path through life than I do. That's what I'll say. But I haven't tried it with Kirschwasser instead of Cherry Hearing. And that I has me tried it once I bet before. that might help. But, you know, the, 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 the inherent issue with that drink is the, the orange, right? We're yeah. always going to stumble over that. So the fix for that is acid adjust your blood orange juice right and then you can really get a little bit more traction we were doing that at booker and dax back in the day um which helps the drink a ton but it still doesn't really bring it bring it home in my opinion yeah i, I mean think, I think it's, it's a square peg round hole situation where we, we it's it's a drink that's on the books so we kind of have to like acknowledge it and deal with it but i don't think it's ever gonna make, yeah make it make a name for itself it made, it made you know the story is that it was named after a a, a movie uh, about a bullfighter, blood in the sand, right? Yeah, well, uh, allegedly, allegedly made for. I found one origin story that was like this drink was made for the premiere of this movie that came out in nineteen, I think it was twenty five. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like you, you, anyone who's listening to this show is probably thinking nineteen twenty five. Why does it seem like that would be a bad year to do a <laughs> cocktail party? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I guess Halfway I guess there's prohibition. Like, yeah, no, but that's the thing is like it's a great name, and yeah. I think that's kind of the reason why. Is it's it though? Around. Is it? Because okay, blood and sick. Come on, come on, dog. Blood and that dirt. They, I, I was blood and dirt would be an interesting. If I, if I ever do a riff on it, I'm going to call it that. Yeah, we're going to call it dirt in the wound. I was semi-famously <laughs> quoted in Bon Appetit magazine many years ago uh, by Andrew uh, Knowlton, and I was at some cocktail party. At, I think it was like Astrid Center or something like that. And he, he was interviewing people and he was like, Damon, so what do you think? What are your cocktail predictions for like this 2009 or something? Sure. I was like, I think I was, I had a few drinks. I was like, I think mud cocktails, <laughs> you know, cocktails made with mud, you know, and he, and they fucking printed it. Right. And so like, anytime I think about like, cause he and I used to joke around about the blooded sandwich being like, eh, that doesn't really, it's a cool name for something. Maybe not something you're going to drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, I'd like I I actually made one for him uh, probably around that time, but I was uh, I was going down to Court Street Grocers down on Court Street uh, like when, this is back when I was at Primeys, and they had all these like kind of vintage sodas, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, you know just, like stuff that like glass bottles, uh, screen printed labels, sure. you know, like old like big reds and RCs, cheer and wine, like, or cheer whatever, wine, yeah. yeah, they had that there. And um, so I, uh, the, I, I made one. Yeah, I made one with like a an old like orange soda, and it was actually it was like a highball. To be honest, I could see that being better than the than the original. Than the original, yeah. yeah. It, it it actually worked. Um, it can bring some sharpness and some like the bubbles. You need be to cleansing. See. Yeah, that that the, the, the cocktail itself as as written is just too flabby. Yeah. Like it's, it's so what about you, Southern? What are you, what are you working on these days? Or like, what are you drinking, enjoying these days? Man, you know, <clears throat> it's no secret. I think that I'm a big drinker of American whiskeys. Um, but I think, and I don't think this is a secret either, but I think just people don't know this about me. I've been drinking like more like cognacs and brandies. Um, I got yeah. a hold of a, 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 a limited release from uh, our friends down at High Wire Distilling. They've been on the show. Um, and they released a peach brandy, which is the first peach, like actual peach brandy, not peach flavored, peach 
peaches made, right? First, uh, apparently, the first peach brandy to be produced in America in like 100 years. Really? And it was dry and fruity without being cloying and sweet. It was so delicious. Um, yeah, I got myself, uh, I, got, I, I grabbed two bottles, uh, um, had a buddy down there ship them up to me. Uh, uh, surely legally, <clears throat> um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'm them off the hook. Um, uh, but I got I got two bottles. I got one for, for my head bartender Bruce. Uh, that was over Christmas, um, so we enjoyed those. Um, and I drink, you know, I drink some cognac and I drink a, a lot of apple brandy. And I don't know. I think I think my taste is turning towards brandy, fruit fruit yeah. distillates more than than grain distillates these days. But yeah. that, you know, that it, everything comes and goes, uh, ebbs and flows. I, I, I'm right there. You know, it's kind of And you've been working in brandy for the past yeah, three yeah, years. Totally. I mean, I've always been a big fan of brandy. And I think, like, you know, well, we're talking about cherry brandy, Kirsch Foster, right? And then we're talking about uh, the peach brandy and, like, grape brandies. Like, I, it, like I'm, I'm, I've always been a huge apple brandy fan. Mm-hmm. Right? Of and course. Especially mm-hmm. around here, you know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, there's something just, there's something really nice about what's happening in the world of brandy right now, which is so, uh, it's, it's, it's strange to me that it's taken so long for people to start getting turned back onto brandy. I mean, brandy makes sense in New York city for sure. I mean, there's always the brandy library. I mean, yeah. you know, and like death and companies always had like, mm-hmm. uh, like a, a, you know, several different brandies. I mean, Laird's uh, and Lisa Laird's impact on the industry in the past absolutely. 15 years. Totally. You know? Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to see what's happening with brandy right now, and it's. It, 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 I'm sure in no way it's going to be as as impactful as like the mid 2000s when like American whiskey was like blowing up. Um, but the thing is, when people start realizing your your general consumers start realizing what, just say like a cognac or an armagnac is, it's it's distilled wine. So right. you say you like if you like wine. And you like whiskey. It's kind of like yeah. those things together. You sure. Know, kind of, yeah. you know, but just going back to, you know, we we're talking about some classic cocktails like Blood and Sand. Um, you know, there's there's a world of brandy cocktails that is so important for the history of classic cocktails. You know, things like the sidecar and the crusta, and, the crusta and like all that, but <clears throat> stone fence, but there's like, brandy. there's so much room for like modern mixology to like really like take the flag and like plan it, you know, and, and do something, you know, we, we've been lucky enough over the past, you know, couple decades to like, you know, have the, like you were talking about like Satoll you know, on the, uh, the like, you know, have like products kind of like come to the light for the first time for I'm air quoting yes. uh, for, you know, um, most general consumers. Right. And, but to have something like Brandy that's been around literally longer than any other thing. And strangely enough, like not too many people are working with it. Yeah. It, it, it's like, it's just, it's so, it's just right there. It's right in front of you. I you think, know? you know, well, as, as was famously said about Brandy, you're a fine girl, fine girl. <laughs> what a good wife you would be. Yeah. yeah. But but my life, my love, and my lady is the sea. Is the sea. Is the sea. Yes, <laughs> you know I think it was, there were years that went by where the, you were talking about predictions with Andrew Knowlton, which by the way I haven't even thought about that kind of wow. Where did he come? He moved to Austin and, and he opened and, up a couple of restaurants. Oh, good for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, 
you know, there was those years that went by where it was like, everybody make your prediction for next year. And everybody's prediction was rum and sherry, rum and sherry, rum and sherry. I can feel it. I can feel it. Neither of them ever took off. I feel it's kind of like we're in that sort of spot with brandy too. It's like it's brandy and sherry go really well together. It's it's primed for the pump. It's just not taken off. And I think I don't want to get too like deeply philosophical here, but you know, I was a butcher for a long time and I'll tie this back together. Hang on. (laughs) Where's he going? Well, what happens, what happens is everybody wants prime rib and tenderloin. You know, they want, they want, they want the the ribeye and the tenderloin, but there's a whole cow here we have to deal with. Yeah. Everybody just wants the quote unquote best. And I think that when we get I'm to a that tartar guy myself, so well, that, so we can use up a lot of stuff for you. <laughs> but when we get to that place where we're only seeking out and using quote unquote the best pieces, right? Then we're neglecting all these other pieces that are equally delicious and wonderful. And I think maybe, you know, in that analogy, maybe the hamburger is really taking off now. You know, George Motz has his American burger thing going on and uh um you know it's you know sparking interest in that, which is which you know is made from not the the uh you know the ribeye and the tenderloin um so we're using those other pieces so we just got to figure out a way to create avenues for people to use these in this analogy off cuts in a in a more um efficient and ex- exciting way i don't know i don't, I don't know i don't I, know if this analogy holds water but but like i feel like we're always just like i only want to consume the best of whatever this category is and then a, a, a larger scope as you say then of the categories, what's the best category? So we're just going to consume that. That's why vodka is taken over, right? Because they're it's the cleanest. It's the you know it's the most usable in cocktails. It's the whatever. I mean, I I, I sort of I don't I don't necessarily disagree. I just think that we kind of this obsession of like oh what's going to be the next mezcal? Like we've been talking about that for, for ten years yeah, now, yeah. and I think maybe it's just time that we as an industry acknowledge that like there's just something unique about that. Like maybe it wasn't the moment. Maybe it was just that spirit like that spirit came along at exactly the right time mm-hmm. it was familiar enough to drinkers that they knew how to relate to it i mean like you get my my whole thing about mezcal has always been like it took off because it's funky and weird enough to appeal to the freaks like us mm-hmm. but it's also you can describe it in three easily relatable words to every single person who's added a cocktail before on the planet tequila but smoky that's it. Sure. And, Even and I though think that's that, not necessarily yeah, true. Yes. And obviously that's a gross oversimplification. Sure, sure, but if you sure. say that to someone who like is like, oh, Mezcal, what is that? And they're at a bar and it's Saturday night and you're six deep. You can say it's tequila, but smoky. And they'll say, oh, that's cool. I'll have that. Right. Like, and then they've tried it and then they know that they like it or they don't. But most so of the time saying, they will. Are you trying to maybe allude to the notion that that maybe in this case with work that we're working on right now, that maybe Brandy doesn't have enough. I'm I'm saying brief that, words that we can attach to it that are exciting. No, I'm saying that I think we need to it's acknowledge whiskey, that there's some, fruit. Yeah, there, well, yeah. That's <laughs> the thing is there needs to be so, there whiskey for wine drinkers. That's what I've always said. I like. Yeah, it. but then yeah, but like then that. but then there's follow up questions to that. Then there's like, oh, really? In like what way? Like there are sure. no follow up questions to it's tequila but smoky people. Right. Like that is the end of the conversation. And I think maybe we just have to acknowledge that there isn't going to be an ex mezcal. That mezcal took off in that moment because of what it is and what that moment was. Um, but also I think there's kind of an opportunity now. I mean, all of the data points to the fact that, uh, we're sorry, we're going to get, this is also a weird thing about live radio is where I haven't been in this, like <laughs> in this, like monkey enclosure for a while with people looking in at us and just being like, Hey man, hi. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> there was a table. God, God bless the folks at table 42 who just left reading their pizza with a knife and fork. They were yeah. wildly entertaining, but 
I, I didn't, think, we're I didn't to, think we were ever going to get on the air with the, with them sitting there. To, yeah. that way. <laughs> we just, yeah. we yeah. were fascinated for like yeah. five minutes just watching. And it was one of these great like welcome to the monkey house moments of like who's watching who. Just yeah. a real real panopticon thing with our uh, little little airplane bottles of Fernet Branca. Yeah. Tell, but, me, tell me you're not from New York without telling me you're not from New York. Yeah, right. You're going to eat your Roberta's pizza with a fork and knife. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you caught the visible shock on their face when they first looked at the bill. And I was like, yeah, if we weren't sure that you're in from out of town. Now, now, now we we're know. Right. Come to New York. New Yorkers are super friendly. Anyone who's not listening here, we're not all snobs. I promise. We didn't say this to their face. That's, well, yeah. well, we we kind of did, but behind a relatively soundproof piece of glass here. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't, they couldn't hear that. Here. Yeah, see, that's that's the that's, that's the sound of courtesy, that's the barrier. folks. But I think that we are kind of in a moment now where I mean, all the data is showing that like people are drinking less and that's having a huge effect on i mean i'm i'm was just doing a little research about the effect that that's having on beer right now and i think that that could potentially drive something that's not going to be the sort of you know gushing oil well that mezcal was but it is an opportunity to drive interest in these like spirits that maybe have taken a back seat for a while that are maybe a little bit more esoteric stuff like calvados which i think is one of the best things oh gosh, that human yeah. beings make with our hands it's fucking incredible and it is wildly underrated mm-hmm. probably because it's hard to get your hands on and expensive but i think that if people are prioritizing the experience quality over quantity then we can see a rise in like some of these i think you're right that that actually makes spirits. a ton of sense yeah. to me if people are um, gonna gonna drink less. They're gonna want to drink better. Uh, right. This all happened in like 2008 when the, yeah. the market crashed and everything. That like, and that was coincided with the whole like growth of American whiskey. I, but like, when you look at the actual numbers, if you look like like Nielsen reports and things like that, what's happening right now is people sure they're drinking less uh, on, on uh, just the number the 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 figures of like what the the dollars are right, mm-hmm. but. They're actually drinking more spirits than in less wine these days because mm. people are starting to realize. And this is kind of like is that a bang for your buck situation? It, it is to a certain degree, you know, like because I've been working in uh, spirits marketing for the last three and a half years on brandy in California brandy or American brandy. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like when you put that, you're talking about the same liquid amount in the bottle, 750 milliliters, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we kind of like hold like like fine wines on this like this certain pedestal and then like the spirit. But like when you think about like four glasses of wine versus like 12 to 15 uh, pours of brandy or, you know, whiskey, or whatever, you know, it, it really starts to make sense there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really digging the fact that and I think as far as the market share goes for for spirits, it does seem like. American whiskey has been slowing a little bit, but I, I think, think so. it's I think it's because of the saturation uh, of <laughs> of what's happening. I'm in saturated, yeah. <laughs> but like they're just more brands out there, and people are realizing mm-hmm. like I, we can't like it's fucking ridiculous to like pay what people are charging for a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, you know, and and, yeah. and and that's that's been going on for years, but some some things that we're kind of starting to see like just on the, just the metrics alone is that there are just so many more new distilleries that are actually at the age now where they have product. They have the juice that's been in barrels long enough to not be like super fresh and green 
on the whiskey side. Mm -hmm. That's been the problem. There's been a lot of pushback uh, and a lot of like kind of shit talking for like newer whiskey distilleries in the United States. They just like, there's two parts of it really. It's the fact that they're green, they're young, they're not mature enough, right? But then also, uh, you know, any any one of them could just be buying juice from like MGP, right? Or, or you know, or, or any one TDI, of them, and most know. of most of all of them, and most of all, yeah. So <laughs> any one and most of all, and I think that's <laughs> that's leading uh, consumers to kind of check out different spirits, like like that's kind of what happened with mezcal, honestly. But going to brandy, it's like you're like, wait a minute, this is like legitimately like decades old and it's actually or sometimes even even older than that like calvados or like you said calvados but like armagnac cool thing about armagnac it's that really is the whiskey of the the brandy world you know right. it's like <clears throat> so like i found there's a lot of like crossover from like whiskey drinkers over to brandy with with armagnac in mind mm-hmm but I don't know. Some of the newer ones to me uh, that I'm like, I, I think the, the takeaway from this is like, we're really into fruit brandies right now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I love it. It seems that I way. love Pear Williams. First. This is going to be the summer of fruit brandy. Yeah. yeah Pear Williams, Eau de Vie. Oh, my God. It's like, geez, it's like, that's some of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> let's get that in the blender and whip up some summer drinks. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's also, you know, you, you mentioned Slaughter and Kishfoster. They make a really great pair of Williams as well. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's that's the way to go. There's also, uh, like, there's one that's, to me, where we're talking about Apple Brandy, we're talking about pear Brandy now. Obstler, do you know what Obstler is? It's, it's, it's basically, it's a mix of apple and pear, O to V. And uh, that, to me, like, in a highball is just, it's transcendent of seasons. You know, it, it doesn't have to be pigeonholed to one. Apple and pear. Apple and pear. Yeah. Oops, all right. I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, well, we, you, you mentioned, uh, now that we've talked about a bunch of fruit brandy, <laughs> let's let's back up to what you mentioned earlier because I wanted to get some more information about it because I, I feel like I'm a, I have my finger on the pulse pretty much of, of, of this industry, but I didn't hear about this at all. It's Manhattan Week. Right. Uh, yeah, this was news so to me. You, the so guy, you, the guy who's in from the other side of the continent, informed both of us who live here that it's Manhattan who live week. in or around Manhattan. Yes. Yes. Look, it's always something week or agreed. something day. <laughs> agreed, right? agreed. We all know that. But so, yeah, talk to us a little bit about your experience with um with with Dale Gruff King Cocktail and Manhattan Week. So okay, yes. As and I and, and before, did, did either of you or both of you bring guitars and play music together again? We like, talked about like you've once done here at Roberta's Pizza. I think we did it twice yeah? actually. Uh, I just have the one photo from. But I mean, live on the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Manhattan Week. So I, really, what's what's going on here is like you know we have Negroni Week and things like that, but I mean we're in Manhattan or we're in New York City, so we should definitely have a Manhattan Week. Mm-hmm. I've actually thought about this. For years now, and then finally, well, it you've seems been like noodling around it. with maybe writing something down about it, right? Yeah, I, I, I messed around with uh, writing a, a Manhattan book. Um, but Philip Green, who was there, yes, uh, not yesterday, uh, Monday, um, he was sitting with Dale. Uh, he wrote a book about the Manhattan cocktail. Um, they were two of the three presenters, along with Amanda Schuster. Now, what happened here was you know, they, they got up and they talked about like kind of Manhattan cocktail history. And then, the, you know, obviously there was a lot of, uh, you know, industry folks and enthusiasts there to celebrate the, the, the beginning of Manhattan week. 
it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that should have existed uh, long ago. Mm-hmm. And, and anyone who's been in this industry long enough, they remember like the Manhattan Cocktail Classic, which was MCC, one mm-hmm. of the greatest. I mean, like it was held at the New York Public Library. It was so fun. And it was it was kind of like uh, the Met Gala for uh, cocktails, you know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, there was, you know, that was the last time I had a, a finger. Just as expensive, but less fancy dresses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, it wasn't. That um, but yeah, it was. It was a black tie kind of gala, and you know, it was it was celebrating not necessarily just the Manhattan cocktail, but cocktails in Manhattan. Yes, right. And I, I often thought that like there needed to be something like this. So that's what's going on this week. Uh, so there are a lot of, uh, it's kind of like, you know, restaurant way kind of Anybody things, cleaning you know, like, it? Anybody spearheading it? You know, Negroni Week is Campari. Uh, is there anybody like this backing was, this thing? This was held by, uh, well, it was DeGroff's uh, aperitivo. He, is, he was making what he called the Midnight Manhattan. Uh, mm-hmm. with It was Angel's Envy uh, was the whiskey sponsor, and then he was using his tomorrow. Really simply, those two ingredients. Yeah. Um, kind of like uh, the guys, like, you know, kind of like a black Manhattan but, yeah. minus the bitters. Uh, so, you know, and... It was just, it was a, a really awesome event to go to because got to run into people from all over the city that I hadn't seen in a while. Lincoln Chinnery comes Love to mind. Uh, awesome Lincoln, dude. Lincoln Wrights. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, my buddy Mike from Travel Bar and just tons of tons He and I of are awesome simpatico people. in a lot of ways. Very grumpy yeah. fellows. Yeah. <laughs> You're grumpy and you like whiskey. Um, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I, I'm tempted to reach out to him and get him to let me have Wednesday night shift there. Because currently the bar is only open Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was like, I'll come in and open Wednesday and just be angry at people. That's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, okay, I'll carry on the brand. I can do it. <laughs> He's like, I don't got enough staff. I'm like, it's a good, oh. good culture fit. I, I think that's what they call it on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. That'd be amazing. And you'd be, you'd be back in the old hood. Yeah, right. You, know, you haven't done that just, since Prime Meats days. Down the street. <laughs> or, uh, sorry, uh, uh, John, John Barleycorn. Barley <laughs> I worked at both. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I got, I got my share of, uh, ponytail lashings from uh, foo <laughs> karen foo would be on the bar and she would have her hair in a ponytail and she would move so fast that, that thing would whip around and just yep. anyone who was behind the bar with her would walk away with whip scars i miss that <laughs> yeah, yeah she's great. well anyway younger uh, days David, yeah, younger days totally well i you know so i mean it, for anyone who's listening out there live this week, uh, check out your – so a lot of bars basically, they're doing like Manhattan menus for Manhattan Week. Uh, I mean, with I'm, different I'm happy to get on board because it gets, you know, it gets your audience engaged and whatever. I wish I didn't own, you know. Yeah. Uh, Maury Margo, we, we claim to only make three drinks and the Manhattan is one of them. So uh, yeah. I'm happy to spread the word even though I didn't know about it. So I'm glad, well, you, I'm glad you went. I was invited, but I was away in Belize. Don't feel bad for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You better believe it. Um, uh, it was it God. was unbelievable. <laughs> well, okay. So before we wrap up here, so, yeah, I, we I need, do want to say get some food in us to yeah, chase down all this whiskey. Yes. Good God! I, I do want to say this though. Uh, it was kind of serendipitous timing uh, for for me and my wife to be here because the Manhattan cocktail, and I know I've said this a bunch of times, I'm sure, um, but it was great to be able to have this conversation with Dale and Philip Green and Amanda Schuster. Because the Manhattan cocktail is what made me become a bartender oh. and move to New York City. Oh. Oh. Okay, let's hear this story. Oh, so, well, yeah, I, I started collecting cocktail books when I was 12 years old. Yes, I know. And I was hanging out, I, you know, I, I owned a motorcycle and scooter shop in Oklahoma City, and I was working uh, in a guitar shop, and then my band was playing. I did everything in my life. I was a graphic designer. Everything that I had as a hobby, so I thought. 
I'd worked in professionally. And I, I sell my business and I, my band's on tour and I'm just hanging out at my friend's bar. It was called Electro Lounge. Uh, it was the only like cocktail bar uh, at the time in Oklahoma City. And so my buddy, Brian Neal, the owner, he, he was the first person to ever make me a proper martini, you know, stirred with actually with orange bitters. This would have been early 2000s. So in Oklahoma City, that was a real rarity, yeah. you know. Yeah. But he made me a Manhattan one day, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, like, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? I bought my house when I was 19. Like, I, you know, I professionally, like, was really advanced and all this stuff. I was a late bloomer. And, Damon was a very early bloomer. Yeah, it was. It was it, the the industry called to me, yeah. and I was like, you know what? The only th like, I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, like, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? I was in my early 20s, and I was like, <laughs> what am I going to do with the next? 60 plus I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. I, was th I was thinking about that too, but I didn't own a house. I think I just, yeah, I was exceptionally the, proud of myself because I used to the house, the house wasn't New York City. The this house ownership, the business ownership <laughs> in yeah. his early 20s. Yeah, I graduated yeah. high school and in, in, in art school ahead of time and all. It was just kind of a crazy thing. Uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to be an adult. Yeah. You know, I was already drinking in bars at you know, 18, 19. And it's crazy because like, now you don't act like one at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the age is finally catching up with me. I, I used to think I was cool for getting away from drinking, in, you know, at a very young age. Uh, but proper drinks, you know. Anyway, so I order a Manhattan. He makes it for me. And it's sitting there and I'm just thinking like, I'm talking to him a little bit. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with the rest of my life? And the answer was literally right under my nose. Hmm. Manhattan cocktail. It's like, I'm going to be, I've been studying cocktail books for like a decade and making cocktails at home for myself. I'm like, I, I know a lot about cocktails, although I never worked in the industry. And you learn a lot more than, from working mm -hmm. uh, than you would just from reading. Sure. But uh, anyway, yeah, the answer was right under my nose, the Manhattan cocktail. And so I, I got into the industry. Uh, I became, I was a, a waiter for two weeks. Then I was the bartender. And then uh, two weeks later, I was the bar manager. So a month <laughs> in, uh, and he told me, he Fast was track. like, he was like, you never, you've never worked in the service industry before. And cause I asked him if he would train me to bartend at his bar. And I was like, yeah, but I, I think I, I know what I'm doing, man. And he was like, well, if you go get a job somewhere else, for six months. If you last six months in the industry, then I'll train you. So he shows up to the bar a month later and I'm the bar manager. And he's like, what the fuck is going on here? And I was that's like, kind of my question, honestly, yeah, right. in this story. Yeah. And he was like, all right, come by on Tuesday. We'll start. The Manhattan cocktail. So when we talked at the top of this show about running into Del DeGroff and Philip Green at Keene's Steakhouse, the magic of New York City that's what happened. That's what got me here. And, you know, it's just been constantly growing since then. But, like, yeah, that's what I did. And the, the fucked up thing is when I got to New York City, it took me a really long time to find a bar job <laughs> because I didn't have two unquote, years New York, New York experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fucking bullshit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I like, you know, I, and I learned a lot from, from my own experience. And I took, I've taken a lot of chances on people who had no experience in the industry. Yeah. Henry O. Oh, yes. One. Oh my God. He's only worked in one bar. He started as a bar back at Grand Army. Yep. Two nights a week. And immediately I was like, you've got to be a bartender. You're just, you, you've got this in you. And he's to this day, one of my favorite bartenders. He's never worked at another bar. He doesn't work there anymore. 
but you know that's that's one of those things. Henry, and all- Henry O, my, my experience with Henry O, of course, at your bar, but before your bar, Henry O was a longtime regular oh, at yeah. Margo. I think I met him there. Henry O still hold, uh, it'll never be beaten because we don't serve him anymore. We used to serve scotch eggs at Amori Margo, <laughs> you know, so it's a hard boiled egg that's wrapped in sausage and then deep fried. We're, we're you know, right. we're a vegan company now, so we can't do that. But, but you know, when you do that to an egg, it, it comes out kind of the size of like um, almost quite almost a <laughs> almost a tennis ball, right? Yeah. Like, it's bigger than an egg for sure. He holds the record for the most of those eaten in any one uh, evening. He, he sat there and had and the several, record is had several drinks with us and ate seven scotch eggs over the course of the evening. That's, that guy can put. put that's like some eating. Food down. That's like eating a, a meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yourself. I know. Yeah. Seven doesn't sound like a lot, but like the size of these. Eat again, seven eggs. Yes. It is. Yeah. Eat <laughs> seven eggs. And then wrap eggs. them in sausage. Yes. And then and then, and then chase that them. down with an entire pack of sausage. And yeah. do do this while drinking nothing but all spirit cocktails at Amori Margo. Yeah. Well, I feel like so, that's kind of that's the performance enhancing drug in this equation. Now, right so okay, we, yeah, they're, we are they're, definitely they're, getting lunch. They're settling your stomach as you go. <laughs> it's time for lunch, guys. It is, uh, especially it's been really that. great catching I, up. And yeah, likewise, studio. and I, I love that we just got to do this show together, just the three of us today. I wish our, I wish our guests could have made it. Um, I still haven't heard from no, them. I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, this is a person we all know and love, and I, uh, I'm I like for them to not be answering at all for calls and texts. I'm, the, the worry is starting to, to brew up. I thought. I thought they'd walk in halfway through, and they have not. So no, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep everything's all right. Kind of business. We'll, we'll keep you we'll keep you informed. Well, anyway, that's the magic of New York, right? Yes, it is, and that's what this show's been about today. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, everyone out there, start drinking fruit brandy, um, and so. don't be don't be an idiot about it. Like understand the greatness yeah. of what it is, but yeah. also. You know, definitely grab yourself a Manhattan this week and any other week, yes. really, for that matter. You can make a Manhattan with a fruit brandy. You can, absolutely. absolutely. Let's, let's, let's make an apple brandy Manhattan. Let's go. Yeah. There's in a cold with, Jersey with Dale City. With tomorrow. <laughs> That's what we're going to have at the bar right now. All right. Let's do it. I know they got it here. So, yeah, let's do it. Awesome, guys. Um, so, it's been really amazing getting to, like, actually be in the studio for the yes. first time in, like, almost five years for me Incredible. Uh, with you guys. And uh, I'm so glad to be here at Roberto's and we are definitely going to like enjoy some pizza and salads and stuff. Um, everyone out there, uh, you know, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, I'm so glad that we're just back, you know, like we're, we've been doing this remotely for so many years now and just, just being here feels great, you know, and it does. I, I want to mention one before we go away, you know, even coming back this time, I've, the, the experience of watching our little shipping container out back of, of Roberta's yeah. Pizza become this sort of like, uh, I jokingly said earlier, it's like a tumor now. It's in the middle. <laughs> Roberta's has grown around us. They've grown on top of us. Like the, like the, 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 shipping container, the shipping container that is Heritage Radio Network is now in the center of, of Roberta's Pizza. I know. And the, whole, and the whole Blanca you know, empire kind of thing going on here. Um, and to see the people bustling through the window as we do the show and waving at us and talking to us or, or you know, trying to talk to us, um, <laughs> it, you know, it brings a level of excitement that 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 I miss. I miss. I it. kind of forgot about it. Like just that that element, yeah. you know, uh, like to the be fish honest. bowl. Yeah. And, and as Greg said, like, who's looking at who? We're looking at them. They're looking at us. Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad we got to do the show. Uh, I'm so glad you're back in town. I, I wish you could come back every week, but. So right, I'll, I'll start making it more of a regular thing. Well, yeah, um, I mean, the pandemic got in everybody's way, and yeah, that old thing. Yeah, that old thing. thing. But yeah, it's it's been great being in the studio with you guys, uh, and thank you and, to and our, man, a nice our producer. Buzz. I have a nice buzz. We've, uh, <laughs> we we didn't mention it very much. We've clipped through about a half a bottle of hundred proof whiskey. We had some uh, uh, Fernet Minis to start. Uh, 
yeah, it's uh, I'm feeling good. Let's have some yeah. lunch. Yeah. Let's do it. And yeah, like I said before, thanks to Armin, our producer today, uh, who's been really kicking ass for us for a long time now, you know, doing like handling all of our remote recording. Um, all the logistics just, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's it's great. Of, I'm sure it's a lot tougher on him when we're running around all over the country rather than just being here in the yeah. room. Yeah, yeah. And so we're thankful for him to be here today with us in uh, in the studio. So, yeah, that's it for the speakeasy this week. Uh, go get yourself a Manhattan. Uh, maybe make it with some brandy. Uh, check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. Keep us going. And until next week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Actually, cheers. An actual cheers in person. <laughs> Yep. So you don't shun the devil with your The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Yeah.